Thank you, Tim. It's, boy, it is good to be back here. Good to see all of y'all. And my phone has been blowing up this morning back here. I, it's, uh, I've got a couple of grandkids at Disneyland. So I was thinking about taking a picture and saying, I'm at church. Where are y'all? And I may still do that right about it. They keep sending those. So, hey, it's really, really great to, to be here. Uh, I have a confession to make. I was putting, went back here in the restroom and was standing in front of the mirror and there I got the sink and I was putting on my little microphone. You've got this little puffer thing here, you know, that keeps it from puffing. And that thing popped off and rolled and went down into the sink and there was no, so if y'all wash your hands, it's going to stop up in that sink because that little, little round thing's down in there right now. So, hey, it is, uh, I really appreciate y'all having me back. You know, last time I was here, we looked at, at Romans 8. And I told you if I came back, we'll talk about it some more. And so I'm going to keep my word with that. I actually had another lesson ready, and just this week I thought, no, I want to talk about, we're going to talk about Romans 8, first couple of chapters there, but uh, I just went a different direction, put something together all brand new just, just for you today. Uh, uh, if you noticed in the news, if, if you follow sports and, being from Lubbock, of course, we all uh, love uh, Patrick Mahomes. Of course, his crown has kind of shifted a little bit this week. He, he got in trouble for throwing a fit because of the previous week's game. And, and uh, what happened, I don't know if you happened to follow the Kansas City Chiefs or not. Patty and I were driving back from Dallas uh, last Sunday night, and, and uh, we were listening to the game. And, what had happened uh, in the closing moments of the game uh, with the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, threw a pass. I mean, it's getting down to the wire and they're behind. And he throws a pass to Travis Kelsey. And Kelsey's the great tight end and he's headed down the field and he's about to get tackled and he just turns around and laterals a side pass over to Kadarius uh, Tony who caught the ball and ran all the way in for the touchdown. I mean, the announcers are going wild. The crowd's going crazy because they've now, they're going to win the game. And, and the announcers, I, I don't know if they use the words exactly or not, but it's that whole idea of, you know, I, I just can't, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. In fact, uh, let's see if I can get back. There it is. There's my title up there. I can't believe it. And uh, they were talking about they're going to win the game. And then all of a sudden you hear one of them, and we're, we're, not watching, we're on the radio, and you hear one of them say, wait a minute, there's a flag out there. And if you paid attention this week while they got into it, uh, there was a big row about the whole thing, was it uh, Kadaris Tony lined up off sides just before he took off, and the play came back, and of course they lost the game. And uh, then the announcers are going, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it of what's happened there. And you know, uh, uh, why, why do people say that? Why do we say that? I just can't believe it. Why do, why do we say that? Well, usually it's because it, 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 things aren't supposed to happen that way. Something's, it may be good or bad, but we, it, it's not supposed to happen that way. Tight ends aren't supposed to just uh, lateral pass to another receiver and he runs all the way down the field and wins the game at the last minute. And then the wide receivers are not supposed to ever line up offsides. They're supposed to talk to the the, the, the side judge over and say, hey, am I lined up right? Well, they didn't do that. I can't believe it. And, of course, it ended up costing the game. But today, you know, we think about when things happen that aren't supposed to happen, 
We, we will say that. Well, I, I just can't believe it. You come across a horrible, horrible car wreck, and you see somebody get out and walk away. And what do you say? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Or maybe a young father has a massive stroke, like some friends of ours, nephew just did and died. And you think, I, I can't believe it. He was, he was doing fine. Or maybe you were taking that test and you thought, I'm going to fail this class. And all of a sudden you, you ace the test. You're going, I can't believe it. I did good, you know. Through the, through the past several months, a couple of years, I guess, since I've been coming here, well, we talked a lot, a lot about trusting God. And I've, I've shared with you uh, about kind of a turning point in my ministry, several, in my preaching several years ago. And I, I, I want to just, just repeat it again. What really made me start thinking more about this whole idea of our job is just we need to trust God. Uh, you know, I, I think I've told you about this before. You know, why, why didn't Moses not get to go into the promised land? He, he, he struck the block. He, you know, we, we always talk about he struck the rock, didn't he? Instead, God told him to speak to the rock. And yet Moses struck the rock, and eventually God tells him, you're not going to the promised land. But that's not what the Bible says. Here's, here's, here's what the Bible says, and this is God talking to Moses. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust in me enough, to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give. He didn't say because you struck the rock. Now, he shouldn't have struck the rock. What was the main problem? He didn't trust. In fact, uh, the ESV says, because you did not believe me. I told you to speak to that rock, but you just thought, no, uh, I just can't believe that... Uh, God's going to open up that rock. I need to help out. After all, beforehand, I had to strike the rock. So therefore, God must have made a mistake. I'm not going to talk. I just can't believe it. And he strikes the rock. The whole Bible is about God speaking two words to us. Trust me. That's really from Genesis to Revelation. We, again, we've talked about some of this. So here we are in our text today, what we're going to look at in Romans 8 is this text today, a lot of us, myself included, have a hard time believing. Let's just look at that text. Oops, went too far. There we go. Romans 8.1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I know that we're in church, and we're supposed to say, well, of course I believe that. But I want to ask you, really, do you really believe there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? Okay. If that's so, and we all say, yeah, yeah, we believe that. If that's so, then why are you feeling so guilty about what you did last week? or last year, or maybe even years ago, something you did. 
Why are you still feeling guilty about it if you believe there is no condemnation? A few years ago, I went by to see one of our dear older members who was, she was getting ready to pass on. And, and uh, she was a very sweet lady that everybody loved. And she was getting close to dying, and she said, Michael, I'm afraid. And I said, well, why? Why are you afraid? She said, when I was a young lady, I did some very, very bad things. And here she was, I guess, eight, 80s, 90s. And she'd been carrying that with her all of her life. And she couldn't just get over the fact of what she had done He didn't go into the details. I didn't ask. Didn't feel like that was really the problem. And she could not shake the guilt that she felt. She knew God forgives us, but that guilt, the guilt of what she had done, she just couldn't shake it. And I found out something through the years. I found that many of us, or most of us are easier on other people than we are ourselves. I mean, we'll encourage, oh, it's, you know, we'll encourage them, but boy, we start talking to ourselves, we get, we're pretty hard on ourselves. And I'm going to have to be real honest with you. This lesson is for me. And I hope maybe you get something out of it. That's why I put this lesson together, because I have this great tendency to feel guilty about things. If my kids messed up, it meant that I messed up raising them. If the church didn't grow, then that's obviously because I wasn't a good preacher. Now, maybe if I'd preached better lessons that this dear sister wouldn't have felt so guilty about things that had happened in her life years before. And I'd feel this guilt. But then, more than that, it's the things I actually did that was wrong. And sometimes still do, just like you do. Things I'm so ashamed of. And that guilt. And, and that shame and that regret. Why did I do that? Uh, blame. It's those things where you know that you messed up, where you know that you sinned and you knew better. And so we read our text again. There it is up there. But it says, look again. Therefore there is now what? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How much condemnation is there? None. Absolutely none. Then I got to ask myself the question. Again, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach to myself today. Then why, if there's no condemnation, why do I continually feel guilty about things that I have been involved in or done? Do I need to just, do I need to read my Bible more? Do I need to, to, to pray more? Uh, do I need to make sure that I'm in church more? Do I, am I just such a weak Christian that I don't believe God? And I guess really it boils down to when we talk about 
the word gospel. You know what that means, don't you? It means good news. That's right. So is, is the good news of Jesus so that I can feel guilty about all the bad things I have done? Is that the good news? Oh, it's not. So I want to do this more. Let's, let's once again, when we think about this fact, there's no condemnation. Let's look again at what the good news is. You know, we have this tendency. We, we view God, it's, which is true, not tendency. God is holy, most holy, and we are not. And so we look at ourselves, and we got this. We got holy God up here, and they've got me on one side, and then we've got Jesus on, on the other side. And me, you know, I can start, and each one of us, we can start listing those sins, can't we? Sinful, 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 and you can go on down that list. And you got Jesus on the other side, is holy, perfect, sinless. And that list of our sins over here is a pretty black list. And you've got Jesus over here who's righteous. And, and we aren't. We're anything but righteous. And it's like that true story that I think I've told you. Uh, I was reading a guy, and he talked about He said, you know, my daughter was at a uh, uh, high school devotional one night, and she came in, and she walked in the door and said, hey, honey, how, how was the devotional? She said, oh, Dad, you know, same thing. God is good. I'm not. Try harder. Now you think about that. We kind of laugh, but you think, whoa, that's kind of how we view things. God is good. Look how bad I am. Just keep trying. And it seems like the harder we try, the more we just keep messing up. Or maybe we overcome this one. Now we've got another one, and it just keeps keeps hitting us. And so i got to ask you, God is good. I'm not. Try harder. Is that the good news? No, it's not. It's not. So, because God is so good, what, what did he do? Look at this text here. God made him, speaking of Jesus, who had no sin to be sin or become sin for us. So that, what? In him, there it is, in Christ again, in him we might become the righteousness of God. What changed? All of a sudden now, me, you, we've become what? Righteous. What did Jesus become? Sin. He, it says he became sin. I think about sometimes the guilt that I feel over things I have done in the past and will probably do in the future, things that are just going to, and the guilt I feel, and I think, Jesus took every bit of that. And I think about how bad it was just for me, and he took the sin of just not me, everybody in this audience today, the whole world, he took it so that we might become his righteousness. How much sin did Jesus take? That's right, all of it. Past sin, present sin, 
You might be thinking that sorry preacher right now. See, you sin. No, no. Present sin and future sin. Jesus took every bit of it. And therefore, that's why just a few verses down, we're in 2 Corinthians 5, look at a few verses down, look what he says. Therefore, why? Why therefore? Because God made him to be sin for us. Therefore, if anyone is, here it is again, in Christ, he is a new creation. And the old is gone. What old? That sin is gone and the new has come. What's that mean? What's this mean here? This means that God will never, ever call you out for your sin. Now, I know that's hard for us to believe sometimes. In fact, I just say, I can't hardly believe that. Because what does it say? It says, in Christ, the old has gone. That's your sin. It's been taken away, and the new has come. That's Jesus. Because Jesus became your sin, became my sin, and we became his righteousness. You are the righteousness of God. You are a new creation. And you say, yeah, yeah, but Michael, I did. No, no. It's gone. Yeah, but I still mess up. No, guess what? The blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. That's why John wrote us, wrote to us in 1 John 5, or excuse me, 1 John 1. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, speaking this about being in Christ, we're headed towards Jesus. We have fellowship with one another. And what does it say? And the blood of Jesus purifies us from most sins. That is not what it says. It says from all sin. And that means your past, present, and future sin. If you are in Christ, goes back to our original text there. If you are in Christ, what? There is no condemnation. You see, we, we need to understand something. You are not defined by what you did wrong. Now again, we're usually harder on ourselves than everybody else. Somebody else will mess up, we go, you know, understand. But when we mess up, we're hard on ourselves. You're not defined by what you did wrong. You are defined by what Jesus made wrong right you are God's child just think about it. your little child is learning how to walk when they were learning how to walk what did you do come on come here come here. oh good job you're encouraging them come on and what did you do when they fell Wow, what's wrong with you? You just tripped again. What's wrong with you? Can't you do better than that? No. Nobody does that. If they do, they those kids need to be taken away from them. You know, you just, no, you just don't do that. 
When that kid falls, you pick them back up. You say, good job, let's do this. And you hold them and you encourage them. You might let them hold on to your hand or whatever. Why? Because you're their parent. That's what you do. Do you think that God might do the same thing with us as we're little kids? Basically, we're a bunch of babies running around. Because believe me, we act like it a lot. And we're, and we're walking along and we're coming towards him and we fall. You think he sits there and says, huh, you did it again. How many times are you going to keep falling? No, that's not God. As your kids get older and they mess up, let me ask you, are they still your kids? Yep, sure are. Why? Because they are in your family. We are in Christ. And sometimes people mess up big time. I mean, really big time. And a lot of us here know what that's like because we've done that. Guess what? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. And Jesus took your sin and it says he replaced it with his righteousness. Do you think if God sent his son to take your sin that he's going to now be calling you out for that sin? No. Because it belongs to Jesus. He took it away. It's gone. Think about this. When Jesus healed the lame man, when Jesus healed the blind, when he healed those lepers, when he raised that little girl from the dead, how did the people react? You know there was lots of rejoicing. You know that. Did the people go around moping, going, man, we're just really unworthy that you did that for us, Jesus. I'm, you know, I just don't know about this. No! You know there had to be lots of jumping up and down. The lame man, it says, he's leaping and, and, and walking and praising God. Why? Why? Because the disease was gone. It was taken away. They had been delivered. Guess what? The Bible says right here, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been delivered. That that's the reason these stories about Jesus' healing are there. Yes, they were there to show that he was proving to them he was the Messiah, that he could do those things. But more than that, it was to show Jesus delivers us. It's taken away. And our problem is not being able, is, our problem is not the fact that we can't walk well or we've got disease. That's not our real problem. Our real problem is a sin problem, and it needs to be taken away. And Jesus says, I'm the one. I'm the one. And so all that guilt, all that shame, all that regret, all that blaming, it is gone. You see, when Paul wrote here in, in, in Romans 8, you know Romans 8 follows that chapter called Romans 7. Now you look through there, 
And in chapter 7, it's about us, chapter 7 is about us trying to do the right thing and we still mess up. Uh, you know, uh, what I want to do, I don't, and what I don't want to do, I find up in it, my, I see myself doing that, and you find that in verses 15 through 17. And then so Paul's talking about, you know, I don't do the things I want to do, and I do the things I don't want to do, and he ends up by saying, what a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And I dare say that sometimes we have felt that way when we have just messed up big time. But wait a minute, that's verse 24, next verse. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the answer. He talks about the old law. And a lot of times we forget the reason, the, the reason the old law was put there or any law is to point out the fact that we can't do it. You can't live up to it. Because that's when we get over into chapter, in our text here in 8.2, look what it says. Because through, this, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free, delivered free from the law of sin and death. All that, the, all that law can do is point out what you did wrong. That's all. It cannot save you. It can't take you to heaven. It can't. It's pointing out you can't do it. And Jesus says, I'm setting you free from that. The, in fact, what it goes on, next verse says, for what the law was powerless to do, guess what Christ did. It can only, it just point, all the law does is point out how inadequate you are. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't sing enough church songs to make you righteous and to do penance for what you did. Jesus did it for you. You're sinful. He's righteous. And he switched it. You are now the righteousness of God. Jesus did it for you, and that's the truth. And sometimes I just can't hardly believe that. What did Jesus say about truth? You remember what he said? And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is Jesus took your sin. No matter how bad it was, no matter how bad it will be in the future, if you're in Christ, He took that sin and made you righteous. And what it says, it sets you free. Free from what? Free from sin. And free from the consequences. Well, not, I don't say consequences, because sometimes we do have to, we sin, and we will suffer consequences. But it doesn't mean that we're condemned. It sets us free from the guilt and that shame, and the regrets, and the blame. It is gone. And this is hard to believe. It is for me. Because I want to keep just piling it back on. I can't believe I did this. We're, we're not geared that way. It's hard for me not to feel like I need to carry that guilt, and I need to carry that shame with me, and I need to carry that regret, because, you know, I, I just shouldn't have done that. 
And we say, you know, I can hardly believe that this is what this text is telling me here. Let's just think for a minute. Your little child, your little three, four, five-year-old's out there playing with a bunch of other kids. They're out there running around the playground, except your child has a harness on and is carrying about a 20-pound rock tied to that harness, dragging along back there. And he, the little child just can't keep up with the rest of the kids. Wants to play, keeps trying, but drug down, drug down. And you're standing there, and you've got a pair of scissors. What are you going to do? You're going to cut it. You're going to cut that harness off and take it off and say, get out there and play. What do you think God does with us? He sees us weighed down with sin. He sees us carrying that guilt. And what does he do? He cuts the rope. He sets us free. What would it do to your heart if your little child, you, you cut the rope, you take the harness off, you cut it off and say, you're free, get out there and play. And they go play for a little bit, and a little bit later she comes along and she picks up that rock and says, you know, Daddy, I just, I keep messing. I, I, thank you, uh, but I probably should carry this rock. I'm just not worthy enough to be out there playing. What would that do to your heart? Just break your heart. What do you think? When Jesus has paid the price, he took our sin, made us righteous, and we want to go pick up that guilt and carry it with us. What do you think that does to God? His heart. I'll tell you. We can get up every single morning just like all those people who were healed by Jesus, and we can get up every single morning rejoicing because you've been set free. It's gone. That's why there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, we're not talking about people who've rejected God. That's a whole different ballgame. I'm talking about us here today, you and me. The context of Romans 7 and Romans chapter 8 is a Christian who's struggling with these fleshly desires, and, and we get angry at ourselves, and I get impatient with myself. But God doesn't. You see, God knows you better than you even know yourself. He knows something. He knows that we are on the road toward Him. We're like that little baby walking towards Him. And He knows that on this journey, some days we just have some bad days. And some days those that are even worse than just days, they last for a while, and God knows that. But on our worst day, guess what the blood of Jesus does? Cleanses us from all sin. That same child, you finally set them free. Now that they're playing with the kids, you look over and all of a 
sudden they've gotten tangled up in a barbed wire fence. And they're screaming out and they're crying. Help, they can't get out, can't get away from it. What are you going to do? You're going to be over there and you're going to cut that barbed wire. You're going to get them out of there and you're going to bandage their wounds and kiss them and hold them. Why? Because of this. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. On your very worst day, and this is what I have a hard time believing, but it's true. On your very worst day, God's not going to be pointing a finger at you. Because you are in Christ. And Christ took away your sin. And tomorrow, when you mess up, God's not just shaking his head in disgust. And next year, when you blow it big time, he's not folding his arms and saying, how many times have I had to forgive you of this? Because, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You see, the Bible teaches us when we repented of our sins and when we were baptized, the Bible says we were baptized into Christ. That's what the text says. In fact, that famous one in, in Galatians, in Acts 2.38 that we all know, repent and be baptized every one of you, where it says for the forgiveness of sins, actually it's the same word as into. You are baptized into the forgiveness of sin. You're over here and now you're just in the forgiveness. You're in Christ. You're into the forgiveness of sin. And in Galatians 3, 27, for all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. We are clothed with Him. You know what that means? It means you don't have to be beating yourself up anymore. Because you have clothed yourself with Christ. And when God looks at you, you know who he sees? He sees Jesus. Why? Because Christ took our sin. I just can't believe it. But it's true. It is true. I don't know where y'all are today. Maybe some of you have been beating yourself up so much and it's time. Let it go. If you're having a hard time believing it, just talk with some of us. We'll, we'll spend some time in prayer. You know what? It may be. Some of you have been talking about, I'm not sure if I'm in Christ. This is real simple. It's real simple. You believe. I don't think you'd be here if you didn't believe. You're sorry for your sins. You're thinking, hey, I've done some really bad things. I wish I hadn't have done those. You've repented. You don't want to do that again. Doesn't mean you're going to live perfect. The Bible says when you're baptized, you're baptized into Christ. We're going to talk some more about some of these things, about the Spirit living in us in the next, in the next hour when we have our class. But you can be in Christ today. You don't have to leave today with that guilt that you've been carrying with you for years. It can be gone. If anything, if we get anything out of today's lesson, I want you to leave knowing I'm forgiven. It's gone. 
If we can help you in any way, why don't you come while we stand and we sing this invitation song. Okay.